What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the GOAT District. I'm JD at GOAT District. We got, what, just over a week till week one? Whether you lost Acres, Dobbins, whether you tiptoed around the injuries so far, bless you if you did. We want to get you ready for week one, guys. We want to get you ready to dominate your leagues. If you've been with us all offseason, you know that we've been bringing the best analysts, the biggest winners in fantasy football, six-digit winners, back-to-back -back $750,000 winners on this channel on the regular. And tonight is no different. We bring in the best to prep you guys. You know him from Yahoo Sports, Scott Pianowski. Need I say more? Guys, go grab the popcorn. Grab yourself an IPA. Pen and paper's a must. Tap dance shoes ready. Let's dance. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash off is the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy Trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. What is up, Fantasyland? I'm here with the two goats that you have known to love. Dan, at Overhype Sleeper, no E on the end, and Theo, the OG Fantasy. Guys, we promised Fantasyland we'd bring them goodness all offseason. Mission accomplished, you think, or what? Oh, definitely, definitely. This has been a summer to remember. Yeah, yeah it's been Theo, awesome. Theo, man, just bringing in the goodness, uh, you know, busting out the Rolodex, you and Dan, the guest list was just on fire all off season. Guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any of the shows. You know, Theo is going to talk about a waiver wire show that he's got coming uh, during the season just to, so that we have you guys covered on one of the important, uh, you know, aspects of managing your teams. And Dan, we're just going to keep bringing the goodness tonight. This is a man that you go back with, uh, back to the the, the dial-up modem days. Uh, I'll let you describe the sound because I, I, that's the first thing when you said that that I thought of is that sound, and you described it so perfectly today. I, I think I called it a diseased mouth harp. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't miss those days. I don't miss, uh, you know, just spending 15 minutes waiting for a single picture or graphic to load, uh, <laughs> you know. Much less a video, you know, if like we wanted to watch a video, it was like, okay, well, um, I'm going to start downloading this and uh, walk away from my computer for about two hours and then come back. So, oh, yeah. yeah then, you got ask the whole, then you got to ask the whole neighborhood to get off the internet for you to watch it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we've, uh, we, 
me and Scott have, uh, we, we actually, I think it was 1990 on the uh, prodigy.net uh, football bulletin board uh, was the first place we ran into each other. And we just kind of, we, we've quickly discovered we were pretty like-minded guys and that uh, we always seem to have similar player takes. And so things just kind of took off from there. And uh, we've, we've been talking fantasy ever since for, you know, 30 plus years now. So uh, definitely one of my favorite people to talk to and uh, somebody who always keeps me really grounded. Um, you know, when I start getting too far off in the weeds, all I have to do is, uh, you know, just talk to Scott or listen to one of his podcasts and, and it just makes everything so simple. And uh, you know, he makes fantasy easy again when, uh, when you start making it a little too complex on yourself. I mean, at this point we have to bring the man in. You guys, you guys notice I kind of, went real quick through that intro and uh, just bring it right into the goodness. Cause guys, it's an important time of year. And this is an important man that we're bringing on Mr. Scott Pianowski. Welcome to the goat district, my friend. Thanks for, thanks for having me guys. Um, and I uh, appreciate that. That really nice intro. By the way, the, the theme music you guys have at the beginning of the show is fantastic. I don't know who, who recorded that song, who wrote it, but it shout was out fantastic. to FF man bun, Mr. Yeah, Gabe. Well, props, mad props for him, man. What, what a, what a catchy, hooky song and it just gets you into the spirit of i mean you know what an exciting time right now right i mean we're still i don't care who you are you probably still have an important league or two to still the draft we're just uh what nine days away from the buccaneers and the cowboys um you know unless somebody's saying they still have their prodigy password written down is that bad no that's very <laughs> that's very very good and and that's where that's where williamson and i met dan really kind words from my friend dan who is not only is he sharp, is, and you guys know this, I mean, you guys have been doing this for a while, but not only is he such a sharp player, but he's so humble and and grounded, and he's always looking for the truth, and, and he's willing to admit when he's wrong, and he's just one of my favorite people to talk to. And I think a huge thing you need to be a good fantasy player, a good fantasy manager, a good fantasy analyst, whatever it is you want, you're trying to do, common sense is one of the most important things in your skill set you can have. And I know Dan's just such a logical, linear guy. He can see outside the box too, but I mean, he's at the end of the day, he's going to give you a lot of common sense. And I think a lot of that, that's a lot of what makes us good players. I know that the game gets more complicated. There's more skilled players on the field. We have to worry about now. And we, we have more film analysis and more statistics than the numbers. I should say, if I can't say the word statistics, for some reason, I can't say it tonight. The, the data has never been more complicated and there's all sorts of stuff we're discovering. And that stuff's all important. But a lot of a lot of it is Occam's razor. Is this a lot of times the simplest explanation is going to be the best explanation? And mm-hmm. I try to mix. I, I certainly want to stay current with stuff. I certainly want to listen to the film guys. I, I, I do rewatch games myself. I'm never going to pretend I'm Greg Cosell because I'm not. I'm not Ron Jaworski. Yeah, I'm not Bill Belichick. I think it's important to be realistic about what you know and what you don't know. But I do try to watch as much as I can, and I do try to understand what's going on at football outsiders, what's going on in Warren shops, Warren sharp sites, stuff like that. But still a lot of what we do is just, you know, the BS detector is trying to figure out of, of the 95% coaching BS that we have to sort through what 5% actually matters. You know, what, what are teams likely to do after they've lied to us for three or four months when the games count? And so uh, it comes down to common sense to me a lot of the times and, and just being, having that good BS detector, uh, it helps when you have friends you can hash stuff out with. Um, we were talking about before the show how great it can be if you co-own a team, if you have somebody who shares a worldview with you, you, you can split the work in half. You have more coverage online for those first-come, first-serve pickups that some leagues allow. 
it, it just, you know, somebody to talk you out of a bad idea sometimes, which everybody needs. Even Bill Belichick needs that sometimes. So anyway, a long winded way of saying hello. And I'm really excited to talk some football with all you guys. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pumped to have you tonight. I know our, our audience is guys, if you, or not, I'd be surprised because he's got over 50K followers. But, you know, Scott underscore Pianowski, exactly how it said, Pianowski. Is that, is that a good way to is that a good way to give it out? Is that how you do it, Scott? Or is there uh, a better I, way I usually go piano W ski, but oh, um, there, see, I knew there was a better way. There you go. Uh, but whatever, you know, as long as you just search my name in Yahoo, you, you'll probably get to it. I mean, you know how we're so lazy now. I know I'm lazy now. Well, you don't have to type anything exactly right. You know, you just have to be in the neighborhood. And, then, <laughs> yep. uh, and of course, you can. And then now it's like, like I'll send text messages to people and I'll dictate them. And sometimes if I'm really lazy, I won't edit them. And I'll just have to live with whatever the Android typo is, you know, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> like figure it out. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it used to be in the old days, you know, typing class, you type something. If you typed it wrong, okay, give me the correction tape. I got to fix this. You know, Mike, Mike Nesmith's mom just made five cents. You know, now it's, it's everything's fixed for you, you know? And, uh, and if it's not, we get mad at the contraption for not getting it right. So, um, but it's great. It's great though. I, I have a book, I have a, um, collection of reference books sports reference books that are relevant now i have like baseball encyclopedias and old football magazines and old football books and stat books and record books and now it's just like you know i spend every day on the reference pages which are awesome and i, I by the way you should subscribe to those it's just a way of saying thank you but you know I, when i can't sleep i'm like oh okay well, look at the 1975 al mvp voting or something that's that's, that's my version of counting counting sheep that's awesome oh. That's that's, awesome. that's hilarious. Uh, I, I I can totally see that out of Scott too. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I will occasionally just get these random emails from Scott with, you know, just kind of some some little exposition on a, a subject that's just like, wow, where did that come from? But it's always very interesting too. So, uh, fun times for sure. I should also thank Dan that there are times um, in my career where, where maybe things weren't as, as happy hunky dory as they are now, where if I ever had to, had to vent about the industry or vent about a work assignment I had, he was one of the first calls or first emails I would go to. And he, you know, as I was kind of clawing my way up, there are a lot of days where I needed his friendship and I needed his wisdom. And, uh, and I, I can never say thank you enough for that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No problem. And, and, and that's something you hear over and over. Just Dan's the man. You know, Dan, uh, whether it's football knowledge or, or just being being Dan, just being a, you know, a person, Dan is just, uh, you know, you want to surround yourself with with good people. And, and you know, I think we've done that with Dan and, and Theo and, and Andrew and um, everything you touched on with Dan is, I mean, is is exactly dead on. And and coming from you, I'm sure to Dan, knowing how much he respects you, uh, I'm sure that means a lot. So um, shout out to that and, and shout out to Dan, man, just for being the man. You know, even though the flow is kind of trimmed, uh, yeah. we, we still appreciate you, brother. <laughs> All right. But we're not here to talk about me. We should start Get into it. about football. Damn it. So real quick, Scott Pianowski, Fantasy or Yahoo Sports, Yahoo Fantasy. You guys know where to find him. Go check him out. The podcast is awesome. Um, uh, real quick, you know. I like to ask just really quick how you got into it, how, you know, you're, you're in a good spot in fantasy. I always say, how did you become part of, you know, the, the fantasy football world, whether it's how you got to Yahoo or how you made your way there, just, you know, a quick idea for, for some listeners. I know it's interesting to us and, and I'm sure it is to them. 
I'll try to be as succinct as possible. Um, I started playing fantasy sports in the late 80s with fantasy baseball. By the early 90s, I'm playing fantasy football. One year, my girlfriend buys me a fantasy football index. She said, oh, I know you're getting ready for your your thing, your football thing. So here's a magazine. And uh, and I'm proud to say that's, that. I've, that's I've, a keeper, I've, no, boys? That oh, they're great. Like they're, yeah, the, the girl, I kept the magazine. I The girl, uh, four or five years, and then we end up going our separate ways. But um, shout out to you, Diane. Uh, I hope you had a nice first day. <laughs> she, she's in our second marriage. But, you know, I, I would have been a terrible. The magazine got her five years, though. That's pretty good. Yeah, I gave her an extra year for the magazine. But so. <laughs> So here I am opening the fancy index, which I still think is an OG for, for fan. You know, I know some people will be like, "Oh, magazine? Why do I want that?" I still think the index is the best magazine out there, and I've written for a bunch of them. But uh, one day I'm just pe- poking through it, and I'm like, "Oh, you know, I, I'm a sports writer. I, I work for a newspaper. You know, I play fantasy. I, I randomly, and at this point, I have an email address. I randomly wrote a few people who were in the magazine. I think this is how it happened." And I spent one year writing for, I want to say Sam Kaplan, Fantasy Football Insider. I wrote for him, I think is Adam Kaplan's brother or cousin or nephew. I, I'm, they're related somehow. So I did that for a year. That led to an opportunity writing for John Hansen, the fantasy guru. You know, I think everybody in fantasy knows him. And I worked for him for a while. That led to an opportunity at Rotowire, where those guys were great to me. Then I went back and worked for Hansen for a while. And you know, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity John gave me. And when I was working with John, uh, that led to some cross-promotion with Yahoo. I got to meet Brandon Funston. Eventually, they had an opening. And in 2008, I went to Yahoo and, and got the Yahoo gig. And I guess I've been there 13 years now. I'm not, I never know if this is a feature or a bug to be as old in the industry as I am because I've been doing this part-time since the mid-'90s, full-time since about 1999 when, when Rotowire gave me a full-time gig. So, I mean, I, I'm two decades into this as a full-time guy. And um, I'd like to think it's a feature, but, you know, there's such young talent there. We have never been as smart as a collective industry as as we are right now. So my advice to anybody trying to break in, um, because I didn't make a lot of money in the early days. You know, I think one year John John Hansen paid me. He bought me a computer and that's what that was my payment for the year, which, you know, back when a computer cost like, you know, a a desktop cost like fifteen hundred bucks or something. And honestly, that's probably about what my worth my work was worth at the time. But, uh, you know, get in it, get in it if you love it. Um, and, you know, pour your passion into it. Um, try to put value. I, I would recommend people, if they can avoid it, try not to work for free. But you have to know your situation. You know, if, if you're doing well in other parts of your life, you may be able to take an opportunity on spec. But it's like anything else. If you care about something, if you nurture it, if you nurture it, if you love it, it can grow into something that can can be bigger. Um, you try to try to find your own voice. Don't try to write like somebody you read don't try to write like matthew berry you know he we already have a matthew berry don't try to write like brad evans write like you you know pretend you're writing an email to a friend i think bill simmons said that's how he used to start every column he just pretended he was emailing his best friend from college or something like that and i think that's a good writing tip but uh it's a long meandering answer i tr- still trying to work even after all these years i'm still trying to work on conciseness but um that's pretty much how i got my start and you know a lot of it is luck in life a lot of it is timing um i also would say and this goes for any, this is my advice for any field you're in is uh, it's, I think it's more important to be good and reliable and get along with people than it is to be great, but not really reliable and not get along with people. I mean, if, if you, if you were the most unbelievable writer in the world, yes, they'll make excuses for you. They'll hold the bus for you. 
they'll they'll live with you. If you're Barry Bonds, they don't care if you're a, a Jack, you know, um, a Jack nozzle. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to swear on your show, but because um, you said Nate, it's totally fine if you do. You can. But, um, the best thing you you know you, if they would rather a good article be submitted on time than the greatest article in the world submitted a day late. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind. Um, they want, and, and really you have to say yes to stuff. You say no to something like twice, they're going to stop asking you. So that's, uh, you know, getting along with people in any field is really important. Being reliable is really important. And, and that is probably more important with good talent than it is to be unbelievably great and not reliable. Guys, that's, that's the most important stuff you're going to hear tonight that's not fantasy football related directly just that's some seriously good advice from a man that that's had experience and especially for our young listeners uh three solid like rock solid uh pieces of of advice right there not just in in football but in, in in life in general and i can appreciate that uh you know kind of finding yourself your original self i think is is the key uh to doing this thing well no matter what you're trying to do in fantasy land or, you know, related before we get into the goodness and guys smash the like, smash the subscribe. We're going to get into the goodness right now, but right before we do, you guys know, we're always trying to help you out. And Scott's got something to help you guys out. Scott, talk to us about Yahoo fantasy plus and why this audience should sign up for it. Yeah, it's a, it's a premium um, offering. It's um, I don't know the pricing off the top of my head, but I know it's a pretty nominal price. And, and I'll just make it really, I'll give you a really simple pitch. It will save you time. It will help you make better decisions. And there's a free trial. So you, I, I'm using it for baseball right now. It, it gives me all sorts of easy ways to set my lineup. If I don't have time to grind it out, it helps you make better uh, pickups off the waiver wire before the trade deadline had come and gone. It, it helps you identify teams that you match up with. In the old days, you, you'd look at every roster manually. You know, okay, I need to get this. Who, who has the position I need? Who you know? Now it, it can save you so much time giving you that stuff manually. So it'll make you better decisions. You'll be a better player. It will save you time, and it's really affordable. It's only like a few bucks a month, and you can. Try, I think the trial is seven days. So if you try it for seven days, if you, you know you don't dig it, then okay, you don't have to keep doing it, but. I would not, I would not um, give you an endorsement for it if I didn't believe in it. Um, the guys who run the game at Yahoo are really great. The designers, the people who run the app, the people who run the game. It's a very intuitive site. And I think they've put together something that's really cool. You also get a, a newsletter that Andy Barron's does once a week, which is outstanding. So um, I think you'll really like that too. And again, free trial. Give it a week. If you don't like it, no problem. It's not for you. No big deal. But it will, you'll make better decisions and it will save you a lot of time. Yahoo Fantasy Plus. Guys, go check it out. Theo's head looks like it's about to pop, pop, Scott. I don't know if you noticed, but he's like 17, 18 minutes without talking fantasy. Yeah. Uh, like directly, you know, he's, he's just, he's, look at his, like he's turning red. He's like, he's ready. You know, this man is drafting eight different formats, 24 uh, 7, all at once. In all seriousness, guys, we're going to do the usual NFL headlines, rapid fire style ish, the way we do it in the GOAT district where it's important we hang. Uh, and then we're going to get into some some deeper stuff with Scott. Uh, you know, obviously some big injuries in the league, especially at the running back position. Does that make you change the way you approach drafts? Is it just a matter of picking the right players? Is it just luck? Like we're going to hit all of that tonight, get into a lot of the, the, the cuts that happened today, how it affects fantasy land. Guys, smash the like. Let's get into it right now. I'll go to you first. Obviously, Scott, Cam Newton, Gonzo. From New England. Adios, amigos. I'm sure when he had 50 cameras on the field a couple weeks ago, he didn't think this could happen uh, for his YouTube channel. What's the ripple effect here for you 
uh, with regards to Cam leaving, uh, just give us some names in New England you like or don't like moving forward. Yeah, the kind of cool thing about this is that it increases the theoretical upside of every skilled player on the offense because Cam looked kind of shot as a passer, and his best skill at this point of his career was his running ability and, and how dynamic he was at the goal line. So they can redistribute whatever rushing touchdowns Cam was going to scoop up, and they can at least tell themselves a story. Look, Mac Jones is a rookie, and it's not like he was drafted in a pocket where you'd call him a can't-miss rookie. It's hard to separate. We, we've seen this a lot in recent years where guys put up pit video game numbers in college, but they have all these toys to play with. How good is Mac Jones? How good is Tua? How good is Joe Burrow? How, how good is Kyler Murray? You know, on and on and on. I, I don't think anybody would be shocked if Mac Jones ended up being a mediocre pro. And I don't think anybody would be surprised if he ended up being, you know, a long-term answer in New England. I mean, it, it's a lot of plausible stories you can tell yourself, but I know this, his passing upside is his passing ceiling is higher to me than what anything Cam Newton could have done at this stage of his career. I was already in Jacoby Myers. I nudged him up a little bit. I think it helps Damian Harris, but the one thing that may hurt Damian Harris is that they have a lot of talent in this backfield. They have a lot of guys who look really good this summer. So it could be multiple. And we know James White will have some kind of a role as, as the security blanket, as the guy who catches passes plays on third down. It's a good offensive line. It's a good defense. The Patriots to me look like a nine and eight, ten and seven type of team. I'm still getting used to that 17 games, by the way. But from a fantasy perspective, look, nobody. This is not the 1999 Rams. This is not the 2011 Broncos or something like that. But I can at least tell myself that I like this offense more because a guy who couldn't throw the ball is gone, and a guy who was going to score a bunch of rushing touchdowns that probably weren't going to have a lot of fantasy utility in most leagues. That guy's out the window too. So. I have nudged up some guys. I already liked Myers, and I already was you know, open-minded to Harris. The tight end situation could be a little dicey, although I think they'll both be on the field a lot together. But I like the offense more overall now that Cam's out of the way, and they can see what they have in Mac Jones. Theo, I threw your tweet up there because it seems like you and Scott are dead, on, dead even on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the Myers call is great. I think that he's got the upside to, like, you know, potentially 75, 80 receptions. And um, I think he's a real security blanket. Um, I think he's cheap right now in, in most drafts. I think it'll probably correct um, in the next week or so. But, you know, he's a guy in like the 10th round you can get that you can, you know, expect, you know, potential like Jarvis Landry-like season. Um, I, I like I like Damian Harris a little more than Scott does. I think that the coaching staff has um, faith in Harris. I think that there's a chance that, you know, Stevenson could – you know, cut into his role as the season moves along. But, um, you know, if you're an anchor or B guy, um, Harris is a, is a nice pick in like the sixth, seventh round now as your RB2. Um, and then, you know, the tight ends are appealing. And I think that the other thing with uh, Cam Newton around the goal line um, was was really, you know, lowering the value of, you know, Janu, lowering the value of Harris or, or Stevenson if you're a Stevenson guy. Um, but it's also the quarterback design runs. Um, those are out the window now. Um, so just the general offense is going to flow more normally. And I think it's uh, also a big credit to Bilicic. Um, you know, Bilicic went out and got his guys every single position. He's got a really good defense and he's just doing whatever he wants. And it's like, you know, they had down year last year and this year he's just, he's done with it. He's going for it. He's starting his guys and it'll be interesting to see. Dan, what are your thoughts? Anything to add uh, the narrative of, you know, uh, Mac just kind of fitting that offense better and, and Newton being away for the whole COVID situation, just kind of making this whole thing uh, fast forward a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have anything to add. These guys covered it uh, very well, but you know, I I've had some some Patriots players on different teams, and I'm looking forward to you know what they can do now versus uh, what I thought they were going to be doing. So. I, I do agree. It's probably good for pretty much everybody, um, you know, but as, as always, you know, the NFL season is going to su- give us some surprises and uh, I'm sure uh, how the Patriots skill players shake out is going to give us some surprises as well. So, uh, Dan, why don't I come back right to you since your Vikings sure. today picked up, uh, you know, our FFPC, we, we, we like the tight end preems action. Uh, Chris Herndon, a name that, you know, being injured and gone for a couple of years, Back in the headlines going to Minnesota today in a trade from New York. What are your thoughts on that? What's the ripple effect? Well, I, I, I got to use a line that uh, one of our regular listeners used uh, today um, about picking up Herndon. He said he'd rather lick the floor in a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> That's Herndon's. I, I, I don't see anything happening with Herndon. Uh, it, I. He hasn't done anything since his rookie year with, uh, you know, Sam Darnold when Darnold's kind of locked on him. Um, he's been disinterested. Uh, the Jets cut all their tight ends except for Tyler Croft and or traded uh, Herndon away. I mean, you know, that the, the, the Jets are down to one tight end and they still didn't want Herndon. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think that. Basically, what I think this says is that there's real concern about Irv Smith, but I don't think that Herndon is going to be the answer in Minnesota. So I would just draft Conklin if you've got to have a Minnesota Vikings tight end. But uh, mostly my advice would be just go out and get yourself some more Thielen and a little more Jefferson. Scott, I'll come back to you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the tight end situation in in Viking land and any ripple effect? I, I don't know. Is there in New York from this? I got to defer to to Dan, you know, being so close to the Vikings and, and always having a good take on what's going on. I was excited about Smith. Uh, I, I think they have a pretty yep. narrow tree. It's just he can be even more narrow now. I, you know, it's funny. I, Thielen's a guy who I, I want a lot of. And I, th- I think, yeah, he's not going to score 14 touchdowns again. But what's he going to regress to? Eight touchdowns, nine touch, touchdowns, ten touchdowns. There just aren't that many guys that the touchdowns can go to, even if Cousins maybe takes a, a half step back. And, you know, I, I hate to bring this up because it's, it's no fun to talk about, and I'm not qualified to talk about it at the level I'd like to. But the other thing about Minnesota I can't get past that's really making me nervous is I think they have one of the lowest, as much as we know this, because a lot of this is like, you know, hidden in secrecy, but it sure seems like they have one of the lowest vaccination rates in the NFL. And we know there's key personnel on this team that isn't vaccinated. And I'm just worried that what, again, I am not a doctor. I'm not Roger Goodell. We saw the NFL plow through COVID last year and get all the games in. So it really wasn't a big deal. So maybe it's, it's even silly to be worried about it, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be overboard on on Minnesota Vikings. I guess I, I just, a lot of times when I'm finding myself like feeling in somebody else, these guys are even in my mind, I'm taking the other guy. That said, it's still a narrow tree. I still think Cousins is a professional quarterback, and I still think this team should have a slightly better than average offense, mostly concentrated to three very good players. Theo, Scott brings up a really good point. Uh, just Because just today, I'm trying to remember which head coach it was, but talked about how COVID vaccination played a big factor on you know, deciding on who got cut, basically. Urban Meyer yeah. said that. 
Urban Myers, Meyer, thank yep. you very much. So, so Theo, wh where are you on this? Uh, what are your what are your thoughts? You know, whether you want to touch on the tight ends, but maybe the COVID situation because it's definitely going to affect us in fantasy land. So, I, I think that what's interesting with the Vikings, um, and and you know, like what Scott said, it's we don't have like a list. It's more like some things trickle out of, of who's vaccinated, who's not. But the Vikings, the entire quarterback room is unvaccinated for whatever reason. So that's uh, that's a little shaky. I mean, you, you, you could have, a, you know, a situation like we saw in Denver last year where, uh, you know, wide receiver had to move the quarterback uh, for a game. Um, I think that's that's a little shaky. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it's it's uh, it's very hard to predict these things um, in terms of the tight end. I, I like Conklin a little bit. I think Conklin's interesting. I mean, I think he's athletic. Um, I think there was some Conklin people, um, you know, before Herb went down. Um, I think that, you know, his familiarity with the offense, um, you know, they drafted him. He's he's a little bit athletic. Um, every year we see a tight end kind of come out of nowhere and have a good start to the season. Um, I think Conklin, you know, like, like you guys said, it's a narrow tree in Minnesota to begin with. Wide receiver three is still a competition. Um, Conklin could come in there and kind of have sneaky value, but – I'm not, I'm not touching Herndon. I've done that before. Uh, never again. It's coming from Mr. Waverwire, right? So, so keep that name in in mind with with Conklin. Haven't heard that name often. So now's now's the time to go grab him before everyone else does, right? Yeah, absolutely. I had him in. I had him in the article, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think he's interesting. There's not a whole lot of um, you know, early waiver wire tight ends like last year. Logan Thomas was not drafted uh, in a lot of leagues, and you're able to grab him the year before Darren Waller was not drafted in a lot of leagues. He was like a, you know, a, a smash, smash ad this year. It's kind of like, you know, Johnson in New Orleans, Conklin, um, you know, there's a, some people like Parham um, in Los Angeles and that's pretty much it. So I think he's, he's interesting for you to tight end. Dan, big Minshew fan, uh, circa, circa 2020, he, he gets moved. Any any ripple effect here? Any thoughts on the quarterback that he's maybe going to compete with? Is that even a thing? It's it's hard to say. Um, you know what Philadelphia is doing with Hertz. I mean, you know they they just they don't seem super comfortable with Hertz as their starting quarterback. Um, they just you know they they brought in Flacco. You know they all the uh, Deshaun Watson heat. Uh, I don't know if there's any fire there really, but, uh, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot of things that say that they're still looking for answers at quarterback. And I guess if I was in their position where, you know, they're, they're getting kind of a free look at, uh, you know, Hertz, who was a second round quarterback, so not that expensive and bringing in Minshew uh, also for a cheap price. I mean, it just makes sense. You want to, you know, when you, when you don't know for sure what you have, um, you'd, you'd like to have a couple more bullets in the chamber just in case, you know, the, the first one is a blank. Um, so I, I guess what they're doing makes sense. And I love the fact that Minshew is going to a place where he might actually get a chance uh, to, to start again. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly whether I think Minshew can be a long-term starting option or just a, a really good backup. I think it's probably more, he's a really good backup. But, um, you know, it, he deserves another chance on a different team to, to show what he's got, and he might get it here in Philadelphia. Uh, what do you think about it, Scott? Where are you at on this? Um, I'm glad to – I'm never surprised when we agree, but I'm glad to 
we've never talked about Minshew before, but I'm glad to meet up with another Minshew sympathizer, which I am. It's funny. He goes to the NFC East. He reminds me so much of Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. where he can, on, on the best day you can think, Oh, this is a, it's kind of a solution here. This could be somebody we could have, we could play for a few years. And on the bad days, you're like, well, this is why, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has bounced around the league. And most of the time he's been on the sideline and not a starter. Although I can't wait because the Washington situation was so bad at quarterback the last few years. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick looks pretty darn good. And, you know, um, Oh yeah. It it was really frustrating the last few weeks to watch the Terry McLaurin business get out of hand because I was just getting him over and over again, but everybody just decided to fall in love with him at the same Mm -hmm. point. And his draft, his draft ADP rose by about a a round or so. But as far as the Eagles go, new coaching staff, ostensibly a new quarterback. I don't think they have any confidence that hurts is a long-term solution. I think there's a good chance they could be drafting a quarterback next year. I think there's a good chance that, Minshew may be asked to play if, if Hertz throws up all over himself. We know he's athletic. We know he, he could be one of those fantasy players where he's not playing that great in real life. And he's like quarterback nine or something or quarterback 11, because he's going to run a lot. There's decent skill talent here. Um, I think every NFL team should have been interested in Minshew for the price he went for. Even if you only think he's a backup, I think he'd be a high end backup who would have a little bit of upside. He's still on his first deal, obviously. Um, he's not going to come in and upset the apple cart. It's not going to be like the, the newspapers. Maybe an affiliate will turn to this. But if a, a team with an established quarterback at Minshew, it wouldn't be like, oh, you know, do they really like their quarterback? Are they running Gardner Minshew? I think he's a perfect backup because you could use him if you need him. And there's maybe a little bit of untapped, untapped upside. So I, I'm glad he's in Philly. It seemed like obviously once they drafted Trevor Lawrence, that was it for Minshew in Jacksonville. I remember the Jags last year by – by Pythag should have won a couple more games than they did. I, I don't think they were like a joke. You, you think you come in last in the NFL. Usually you're like a, a laughing stock. We think Houston's going to be awful this year. I don't think Jags were that bad. I'm not sure if they hired the right guy in urban Meyer, but I think they have the potential to be a competitive seven, eight win team. If things fall right, you know, maybe just a six and 11 team otherwise, but I'd like to see Gardner Minshew at some point have his Ryan Fitzpatrick moment where he gets to start, I still think he's a talented guy. And I think anybody out there, your favorite team, if you don't have a really good answer at quarterback, yeah, I think the Falcons would have been great to get in on Minshew. The Steelers would have been great to get in on Minshew. I, I would have loved it if the Patriots got Minshew. I grew up in New England, you know, because God forbid something should finally go right for the Patriots. But <laughs> uh, him in Philadelphia, Minshew in Philadelphia, I would love it if he got a chance. I, look, granted, if, if Hurts ends up being a bona fide starter, I'm cool with that. It's not like I have anything against Jalen Hurts, but we don't know. We don't know if he's going to be the answer here. And I think it's good that they got somebody who quality backup and maybe some upside if he needs to start. Theo, uh, fellow GOAT, John McGlynn saying, uh, you know, this is a sign of the confidence. Scott echoing, you know, what we heard from Dan. Is that how you feel? Are you are you kind of passing on Hurts? I look looking at the main event, you know, he's going around guys like Tannehill and Stafford. Are you now shying away more from Hurts? Were you already shying away? What's how, how are you approaching this? So for for me, I, I don't mind I don't mind drafting Hurts. I have some Hurts, um, like you know, like Scott said, he's he's going to get ten you know designed rushing attempts a game, um, so he'll have a baked in floor, um, you know, on the the rushing side. I, I agree that I don't think that the Eagles have a whole lot of confidence in him. Um, they didn't draft anybody this year. Uh, they kind of maneuvered around the draft. They added some pieces, but they didn't add their quarterback. Um, so I, th- I think he's fairly safe. I think the, the weird thing to me is Minshew got traded for like a six-round pick. Why did Jacksonville just keep Minshew and have a capable backup quarterback? That was kind of a, the weird, weird – my, my takeaway here was 
you know, they kind of, it seemed kind of like a short-sighted move. You could, you could have got a little more for him, I, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not scared of drafting Hurts. I'm not as high on him as some people are, but I, I think he'll, I think he'll be a low-end QB1 or a high-end QB2. I'll go back to you, Scott. Uh, going to Washington at the running back position, you know, maybe not that big of a deal, but knowing that Gibson is, is a fan favorite, you know, across the board, I think a lot of people heavily invested, including people on the screen right now in, in a man like Antonio Gibson and today Barber getting cut in Washington and, and Patterson kind of getting the, you know, the nod is it, just give us your thoughts on, on the Washington situation in the backfield and how you feel on uh, basically what's going on behind Gibson. Yeah. You know, one of, one of my favorite teams, I mentioned Fitzpatrick earlier. Um, I mentioned McLaurin earlier and Gibson's such a fun player because we all saw how athletic he was at Memphis, but he really wasn't a running back and he hardly touched the ball in a traditional running back sense at Memphis. And so I, I think most of us were pleasantly surprised at how proactive the WFT was in using Gibson last year and, and getting him up to speed at a position that he wasn't maybe that familiar with. Obviously we know the way the NFL works now that every team wants to have multiple answers at running back. The bell cow is just about dead. So you need other guys. I don't know that uh, McKissick is necessarily all that special of a, of a pass catcher, but he's going to have a role. And now Patterson's he's one of these guys that you can take as a late pick, as a, you know, a wait and see pick as a, you know, if something, if the dominoes fell a certain way, one of my big strategies, by the way, I am not a, a handcuff guy. In fact, at Yahoo, they don't even like me to say the word handcuff. They like us to say understudy or backup or, or stuff like that. To all the people who say, oh, well, you, if you had J.K. Dobbins, that's why you had to have Gus Edwards. You know, well, I drafted Antonio Gibson. Should I make sure I get, you know, whoever his presumed backup is? I, I don't play that way. I want to get the backups from other people's teams and give myself the most theoretical ceiling as I can early in the season. And it's later in the year when I know what my game situation is, when I know okay, then maybe I'll look to backup guys when we have more certainty of what the team might do when there's an injury and stuff like that. For now, I think in most leagues, Gibson is a second or third round pick, probably a second round pick. McKissick is one of those um, low upside, you you might catch 65 balls, 60 balls, something like that. He won't run the ball a lot. And then you can take Patterson late as just, we don't know much about him, but he's on the roster. He beats people out to keep the roster spot. If something happened to Gibson, maybe he'd step into value. But I I think in a lot of leagues, he'll probably just be somebody you eye on the waiver wire who won't even take up draft capital right now. Anything to add, guys, uh, before we maybe do some rapid-fire roster cuts that that maybe we haven't hit on, Theo? No, I I think that... um... Patterson's really interesting. Um, Rivera compared him to Sproles back in the spring, um, and it was it was like a weird comparison. I mean, his his game was different. Um, you know, at Buffalo, he was he was a high volume rusher, even though he's little. But Sproles um, was with Rivera, I th- I think um, early on, like on the Chargers, and that was uh, so he made that comparison. And and uh, I'm from the DC area. Patterson um, is a local guy. He played in in PG County, where the where the uh, Washington football team plays. So it's really a big success story for him making the team. I think it's a it's a huge uh, vote of confidence for Gibson, Patterson, and McKissick. I think they feel super confident in their running backs there. Um, and yeah, it's, it would be very interesting. Um, you know, I have a ton of Gibson, as does Dan. Um, as do you, JD. We're, we're big on Gibson. Um, but if he went down. Um, 
I don't know. I think it would be a little a little less cut and dry of who would get the the work now that Patterson's in the mix there. Um, so I think he's a guy you want to have a little bit of exposure to if you're if you're drafting um, you know twenty round leagues like FFPC and NFFC. You know, I knew Patterson was on the smaller side. I just looking up now. I didn't realize he was five six one ninety five. So yeah. Yeah, uh, interesting. Little. Isn't Interesting he? to hear the Sproles comp, and and you know, also if I had known, I didn't know Theo was from the DC area. I mean, you know, just like I'm going to defer to Dan on all Viking stuff, I guess I'm going to be you know all Ravens and all and all WFT stuff. I'm going to have to to uh, defer to Theo on, or not to mention you know the Nationals and the Orioles and, and all that stuff. If I need Alex Ovechkin intel, I'll go to Theo. But um, <laughs> absolutely, let me give you another tip. By the way, um, this is the most obvious thing in the world, but we're on the internet now. And if you have friends, like I have a friend of mine uh, named Donovan, who I met through the Breakfast Table podcast, which I do with Michael Salfino. He lives in the Bay Area, and he's a huge 49er fan. If I need to know something that everybody else doesn't know about the 49ers, I go to him. And then, by the way, maybe in a direct message, maybe I slide into his DMs or send him a, send him a text or something. You know, just like if I needed if I needed to know anything about the Vikings that wasn't common knowledge, Dan would be the first guy I'd go to because I know he knows them better than I do. And you, know, you can get a lot of that from the beat writers. There's some great beat writers. Michael Gelkin used to work for Yahoo. is doing an awesome job covering the Cowboys. Um, so he's, he's a great guy. His public work is great. But, you know, if I need to ask him a private question, I could. You can't follow every 32 teams like an ardent fan slash beat writer slash, you know, a team spokesman. There's somebody out there who follows that team closer than you do. That's a great way to get the intel when you need to make a key decision and you're really not sure from what you've, the information that you've gathered, go to the guy who follows the team is close to the team than you are. Guys, I hope you guys are writing this stuff down because the, the, the goodness coming out of, of Mr. Scott Pianowski tonight is just uh, above and beyond smash the like, smash the subscribe just to show your support. Um, Dan, I mean, the, the goodness just keeps coming. That, that, that is a very veteran tip right there. I mean, you know, somebody who's, who's been around, um, you know, and that's it, it, and that's one of the things I think that's most important about the, the whole game is to just, you know, stay a little humble. Know, know what you know, know what you don't know, and don't be afraid to uh, look for help on things that you don't know. And, and Jeremy asks a very good question. Can you really know the Vikings? Um, my my answer would be, do you really want to know the Vikings? <laughs> uh, it's uh, It's been a long, hard 50 years. All right, Scott, I'm going to go back to you. Just, you know, guys face it. Nobody does rapid fire-ish like we do here in the district. We're at 42 minutes uh, still doing the rapid fire headlines. But guys, it's it's relevant, right? And and like we say, we we uh, we want to keep bringing you the goodness. If we need to sit somewhere because it's important, we're going to do that. Anyone we haven't talked about, Scott, when it comes to cuts from today or, or anything just recent that our you know our listeners, our audience need to pay attention to or maybe look out for what i'm waiting to see happen and, and it hasn't happened yet is i want to see where the running back shuffle ends up i look at a team you know as bad as houston is they have talent in their running back room and i can see them they're obviously their next playoff contending team is going to be a few years down the road it's not this year they have the horrible situation with watson i can see a team out there thinking you know david johnson would help us or philip Lindsay would help us or god forbid mark Ingram would help us. So I want to see where that ends up. I mean, I think a lot of people saw the Michelle trade coming that ultimately you cleaned up things in new England a little bit. 
Um, a lot of people, before you get too in on Gus Edwards, I know the Ravens say we like our running backs. What, what is the any quote that a coach gives you, which is explained by what else is he going to say? Like throw it out the window. I think Baltimore's going to add somebody. I think the Falcons have been. I've been waiting for them to add somebody. I've actually drafting Mike Davis on the idea that maybe he'll just be the last guy standing there, but their running back room is very light. So running back is the one position that players can onboard really quickly. You don't have to learn that much. Teams run the same plays basically. And it's not that unusual for a running back to hit the ground running part, pardon the phrasing, but uh, as opposed to a receiver needs to learn things and needs to get uh, a certain rapport built in before he's useful. A lot of times teams have treated for receivers in the middle of the year. It's been a big bust. I'm old enough to remember when Roy Williams went to the Cowboys and it's like he forgot how to play football, but I want to see where the running backs are going to end up because good running backs will get cut. Good running backs will get traded. Good running backs are going to go to new teams. And I still think there's going to be movement in the next few days or, or what players I'm also curious, like I see Travis Fulgham get cut. I think the Eagles would love to get him on his practice on their practice squad, but he might be too good to slide through waivers. Not that you'd be drafting Travis Fulgham, but I mean, I, a team like the Lions who had Fulgham, ironically, a couple of years ago, maybe they'd be interested in Fulgham. I still feel like there's going to be some player movement in the next 72, 96 hours, especially at the running back position. And that's what I'm going to have my eye peeled towards. Especially Perriman gone. I mean, that's a big hole, True. right? Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just to to piggyback on what Scott was saying too, also you know don't don't let your guard up once we get past week one because there will be a lot of teams that uh, wait until after week one to go out and sign that player that they've been looking at mm-hmm. because at that point then they don't have they're not on the hook for their their whole season salary uh, you know it's just week by week so uh, you know if they if they decide after three weeks no this guy's really not going to work out they can just cut cut ties right then and there and they don't have to worry about it so. That's a that's a move NFL teams make all the time too. So be be aware of that in Baltimore and probably Atlanta. All right, guys, you see it at the bottom of the screen. We talk about it often. MyFFPC.com. It is the place to play fantasy football. We talked about six-digit winners, men who have won seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars playing the game we love called fantasy football. As I say every time I say it, how much will your your wife or your spouse? Love fantasy football when you bring that check home. I mean, that's that's some legit life-changing money, maybe even wife-changing money. I don't know. But, guys, go check it out, myffpc.com. From $5 best balls to $10,000 buy-ins, it's the place to be. It's the, the, the place to test your skills. Uh, and all the goodness we're talking tonight, a lot of the winners, I mean, that's where they get started, right? That's where you, you bring your game to the next level. So check them out. And like we say, if, if you're not already on the site, you're just signing up. Make sure you at Goat District or one of us on the screen uh, in Theo and Dan, and we'll uh, we'll send you a little bonus action uh, when you sign up. We'll get uh, the folks at FFPC to, to add a little something to your account uh, once you uh, set that up. Appreciate the, the 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 chat tonight. You guys are just kicking ass. You guys are you know here and you're showing up. The questions, the comments, we appreciate all you guys. Famous Jay, Jeremy, John McGlynn, Frank. Uh, just all kinds of goodness coming from Scott and the chat. Scott, I'm excited to get in this part because this is kind of where we deep dive. I know uh, we apologize that we've gotten 45 minutes in the headlines, uh, in the in the rapid fire headlines. But, you know, going a little deeper, you had Patrick Doherty, a uh, big fan of his, recently on your, on your podcast talking about the Ravens RB situation post J.K. Dobbins. I mean, you know. As someone who is heavily invested in both Acres and Dobbins, it, it's been a painful 
offseason so far in, in regards to that position. But why don't you talk to us about how you think that RB room shakes out um, and, and what you think happens in Baltimore. Are they going to make any moves? Are they going to you know sign someone? Just just give us your thoughts on the specific case there. And then we'll get into some maybe some strategy. I have Edwards in half point PPR right now at running back 20. Although I'm not sure that I would take him when it might be the the point. Just, where he will go is a time where I'm probably looking to add receivers. I, I just feel more comfortable drafting receivers in that pocket. For as much as the Ravens liked Edwards, they gave him a pretty good contract for somebody who ostensibly wasn't a starter. They certainly didn't like him as much as Dobbins. Dobbins was going to be the unquestioned starter. And had I think Dobbins had, I think, maybe a little bit of upside as a receiver where they just never throw the ball to Edwards, I don't see why that would change now. We know that a lot of their rushing production will be routed through the quarterback. Jackson's going to run for a lot of yards. He's going to run for a handful of touchdowns. They wanted to kind of get a passing game going there that because of injuries, I don't know what they can really do where you know, Bateman's not going to be ready to start the season. Minnesota boy, um, Hollywood Brown had kind of a lost summer. So I think there's a, a version of the offense when you factor in three different main guys are hurt. Dobbins out for the year, Bateman out for a month or two, and and Brown doing almost nothing this summer. They don't really have the offense they wanted to have in place. Edwards is a good player. His efficiency, I think, has been a, a function of second back in, change of pace guy, run against the tired defenders. I still think he's going to be a good player, but I think he has a little bit of a capped upside because of a running quarterback. And I do think the Ravens will add a running back at some point. Dan made a great point that, Remember the cadence of the NFL calendar, you know, they may look to add a running back after the season starts so they can be on uh, the hook for less financial liability. But I can't imagine that they aren't at some point going to add somebody. They they had Todd Gurley, I want to say, come in a few months ago, kick the tires. I, I don't know that Gurley has anything left to add to an NFL team. I don't know if Le'Veon Bell's you know, shot for good. I mean, you can mention all these guys, you know, Devonta, Devonta Freeman just got cut uh, this week, I think, from the Saints. But I really feel like there's going to be 80, 100, 120 carries distributed to somebody who's not in the roster yet. And I'm nervous to take Gus Edwards at the high end of his range now. He's just – now he's a, he's a fun pick. People think like they're doing something smart. Oh, I'm getting Gus Edwards now in the fourth or fifth round. I still think he's like a maybe a sixth-round player to me. I'm probably going to be out on Edwards. Yeah, to me, the fun of Edwards was uh, early on in the draft season when you were getting him in round, you know, 10, 11, 12, whatever. Sure. Uh, you know, that's uh, it's just basically found money. He's right already now. in the sixth, Dan. Already in the sixth in the main right. event. Yeah, he's, he, he's, he's, he's shooting up, definitely. Uh, and just, I know this is kind of a little bit off the cuff, but uh, Scott, what do you think about you know, like a, a Melvin Gordon, do you think Denver is interested in trading him at all? Or do you think uh, they're just going to hang on to him with Javante Williams? I just kind of thought it was a little weird that that Denver uh, kept Javante and mothballs and they really tried to feature uh, Melvin in the last preseason game. You think there was anything to that or they were just uh, trying to be smart with a rookie? I mean, if anything, I think it speaks to Williams probably having a leg up. They didn't want to expose him mm-hmm. when the, Acres news came down. I thought this would be a great spot for Gordon. Slide him. He doesn't have to change cities. He doesn't have to move, right? He just move <laughs> over to LA from LA, uh, play in the same stadium. Um, you know, gain a few fans because the Rams are probably more attended or, or more cared about in LA. The, the poor Chargers. I, I, I promise, I'm going to try to stop calling them the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> you would, you would think. I mean, look, Denver new regime draft Williams. They don't have any ties to Gordon. 
I can see him easily being traded if, if not, you know, maybe not now, but I mean, we've seen the NFL started to make, it used to be the train deadline. The NFL was like the, one of the biggest duds of all time it was Al Capone's vault, which like five people listening can even know what that is, but it was just a waste of time. But now teams are actually starting to be a little bit more experimental around the trade deadline. I, I think the Broncos are going to realize pretty quickly that Williams is the better player and they don't really need Gordon and maybe they can shop him and get him on a different roster before the deadline comes. I, I mean, the great time for this to all happen would be months ahead of the season. Obviously, we're nine days away now, but I don't think Gordon – I think this is certainly Gordon's last year in Denver, and I don't even know if he'll make it through the full season. It certainly makes plausible sense that this team could see him as expendable. Do you anything to add with uh, with the situation there? No, I, I think that that's they seem to be ahead with Javante. Um but I, I don't know. I've been apprehensive to draft Javante too too high because I could see it being something where it's kind of a headache to start the season. So uh, it would be great for everybody in fantasy if uh, if if Melvin Gordon was out of there and they could just ha- give you know the rookie the carries. Um, and Gordon does seem like the kind of guy that could go and ruin uh, another player's value. I mean, you can name about five backfields he could ruin if he if he was traded over there. So. Uh, it's very interesting, very interesting to me uh, to see which way it, it goes in Denver. Yeah, and they're going less than a round apart right now in the last couple of days in the in the main F- event in the FFPC. I, I want to ask all three of you guys, uh, you know, all three of you guys are, are just destroying, uh, you know, the, the leagues that we play in. And I'm just curious... You know, and and Scott, you even just recently talked about in in your show, and and you know, similar to, to to my approach with the receiver position, you don't want to be deciding right when when you got to set your lineup each week. You rather get your studs early, fill up those spots, um, and then you know we talk about it on here, and and it's you know the R zero RB, and then you got your anchor RB where you pick up one one stud RB early, and then you kind of fill that RB two spot later on. My question is, is this is, and again, sometimes my brain just goes into left field. So if this is not relevant, by all means, let me know. But I just started thinking like, does this kind of maybe sway us for those anchor RB type of drafters? And I'm definitely one of them to hit that second RB a little earlier. And instead of filling in the RB two spot, the way that we're doing it is maybe that wide receiver three or four that we're picking up. Maybe we're trying to fill that up with guys later on. And what that does is without getting a handcuff, it kind of offers you protection. And again, maybe this is just my mind going in, in a weird way, but does that make sense to you guys? Is there is there a better build there now? Because of the the reason I ask this is because we've seen Akers go down. We've seen Dobbins go down. We've seen this happen in, in, in last year with Barkley. We've seen CFC go down. So if you pick up two studs, at least you're then back to filling in that RB2 spot with with your guys that you're picking up later. Again, this makes no sense. Let me know. But do you, is there something there? Is there a reason to start considering switching a bit of the approach if you are using the anchor RB uh, roster build? I've toyed around with all – I think there's really three different things you can do with running back. You can go robust where you prioritize getting two pretty early. You can go the anchor where you want to have one to hang your hat on and you'll circle back several rounds later. And then, of course, zero RB is just what it sounds like. It's not your priority at all. And the teams that I end up, for whatever, like the NFL is a snow globe league, 
And four or five weeks into the season, people will start writing me. This is the weirdest season of all time articles. <laughs> and who knows? You know, maybe it will be. Maybe we'll have a team have a forfeit or something. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe a team will move to Edmonton in, in week five. I don't know what's going to happen this year. The NFL is a snow globe league. Right now, there's one team right now that everybody thinks is lousy. It's going to be great. There's one team that looks like they're in the playoffs already. It's going to be one and four. That's what the NFL does. So, it, you know, it, it's almost like partially a fool's errand to think you know anything at any point in this league. One of my strengths as a, as a fantasy player is to realize I don't know so often. But the builds I generally like the most for whatever you can know right now, have that one anchor and then have a running back. A, I'm sorry, a wide receiver room where and you kind of alluded to this earlier. I, I want my receivers to start themselves. I don't want to play the guessing game of is this the that. Tyrell Williams was pretty good last week. Is he going to go seven for 85 and a touchdown again? Or do I have to wait another month for that? Or is the defense going to prioritize him and take him out of the game? Is Jared Goff going to go back to being lousy Jared Goff? I want my receivers to start themselves. And because running back is a position where anytime anybody gets hurt, even on lousy teams, we say, okay, now there's a player who was not prioritized in the fantasy community who's got 10, 12, 14 touches projected before the game. And we can all see as likely. It doesn't work that way in, with other positions. We don't say, oh, the Packers just lost, just lost Devontae Adams. So now um, Valdez Scantling is going to get 10 targets this week. It doesn't work that way. Or the, the Chiefs just lost Travis Kelsey. Now Patrick Mahomes has to find another you know, Hall of Fame walk-in tight end on the rod. It doesn't work that way. But at running back, Last year, Mike Davis, a journeyman, was what, 80% of CMC, 75, 85, whatever percentage you want to say. Mike Davis was a very useful player. And I don't think anybody would say he has special talent or you know, certainly not McCaffrey talent. But because he stepped into those projectable touches, he was worthwhile and useful and easy to play. So the builds I like are the, the anchor builds, the one running back. And you hope your running back doesn't get hurt. I mean, the number one overall pick is McCaffrey. He missed most of the last season. The number two overall pick is Cook. We know his medical file. And down and down the line, you know, Derrick Henry's been running to the ground. Zeke, as you know, he's in the best shape of his life right now. He's coming off a bad season. Barkley's got a million things wrong with him. And these are our first-round picks. These are the guys we're supposed to feel, quote-unquote, good about. So I just feel so much more confident with receiver-heavy builds. But I don't want to lock myself out of potentially getting that running back who's on the magazine covers next year. Those guys are going to go very early. Maybe it's Antonio Gibson. You know, maybe it's Joe Mixon. Those guys have Austin Eckler. He could catch 100 passes. They finally, maybe they got the coaching right in L.A. for once. And the Chargers are finally ready to attack the NFL the way we've been waiting for years and years. I, I wish I had more Eckler than I do. I, I don't have any. I did get him tonight, but I don't have anywhere near as much the Eckler as I'd like to get. So I want one swing at a running back who could be on the magazine covers next year. And then I'm pretty much going to be pounding receiver. That's That's been my preferred build. And even though I've tried different things, those rosters are the ones I like the most. I mean, look, I, I think a guy like Jacoby Myers is nice. I think a guy like Sterling Shepard is nice. But those guys are going to hit singles for me, maybe doubles. It's hard to hit a home run at wide receiver outside the early rounds. Yeah, mo most of my bills are, are kind of that way. That's kind of why I bring up the question. I'm like, and I know Dan and, and Theo, we talk about this often with roster construction and best ball. And 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 you you seem to have very similar philosophies uh, when it comes to a lot of the positions. Dan, did, did, did this change anything for you? Or is this just another bunch of injuries at, at this time of the year? And you just kind of go with the flow and some of your rosters maybe are, are, are not valid, you know, going into the season, whether it's best ball or or redraft, but you're, you're not necessarily changing your roster builds or your approach because of these injuries. No, I'm definitely not. I mean, you know, it, injuries are 
in a lot of ways, random, uh, you know, they can come in clusters. They, you know, um, you can, you can have seasons that are destroyed by injury. Whereas, uh, you know, your, your next door neighbor, when you get together at the barbecue is telling you all about, you know, what a fantastic year that he had, uh, you know, and then the next year it might be opposite. It's just, it, it, it's the nature of the beast and, you know, they're going to happen. You can't let them, uh, you know, shake your confidence in what you're doing um, as long as you know what you're doing works. Uh, you know, and I, I tend to draft a lot like Scott does. You know, you want to, you know, I think it, 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 as always, Scott just finds the most eloquent way to put it. You want to have wide receivers who start themselves. Uh, you know, you, you the, the turns of phrase that Scott comes up with, if you're not reading his writing, you ought to be because he, he's just fantastic like that. But um you know, the only the only place where I really still would go like super robust on a running back build or something like that is occasionally in uh, one of these contest leagues like the FFPC main event or, uh, you know, the NFFC primetime or something like that, uh, you know, where you're you know that you are trying to you know, win the top prize in a big contest. You have to beat a lot of teams and there's a very good chance that the team who wins it all. Uh, is going to, you know, somehow have three stud running backs. And if you feel really, really confident and, you know, these particular three and you're able to get these particular three running backs, I wouldn't have any problem building a team like that. But I would also not be surprised if that team flamed out uh, very early in the process, too. So it's one of those things where, you you know, if you've got several bullets to put in the gun, uh, you know, that would definitely be one of the bullets I'm putting in there. But I would put more bullets into the the anchor RB and for standalone leagues, uh, definitely the anchor RB, I think is probably the, the best way to go. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I find myself naturally drafting, uh, these anchor RB teams. Um, occasionally it's the two running back start. I think, um, uh, you know, Scott brought up Mixon. uh, Mixon's a good one. If you can early pick, you can, you can combine, a you know, potentially Dalvin cook with Mixon and then, kind of not not worry for a while and running back i think that's nice but um yeah it's it's kind of an interesting year um because i think that the the high-end wide receivers are are really really good and i don't i don't want to not have one of those guys um and i also think that the the kelsey waller kittle trio is really really good so i think that you know a lot of the winning teams in, in your league are going to end up being teams that have, you know, one of the big three wide receivers or, or one of these top tight ends. So the only way to really do that and to keep maximizing your your value in the, you know, the, the money rounds, the three, four, five, six rounds is to go anchor RB. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with these guys. That's that's the build I naturally gravitate towards. But uh, you can win anyway as long as you pick the right players. So uh, you sh- that should be first and foremost, just, just picking the right guys in each round you know your leagues better than others. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think there's d- different ways to win this year, but anchor is certainly a fun way when you end up with, with some of those just killers at wide receiver and tight end. And, and that's kind of the fun of this every year. No, Theo, like you, you can literally skin a cat. What was that saying, Dan? You know I'm going to mess it out. It's something about a skinning <laughs> a cat different ways uh, to, to, you know, basically you, you can – you know, especially if you're doing multiple leagues, like you're doing a bunch of best balls or, or you know, a bunch of entries into re, uh, a redraft. Scott talked about it. And, and you know, as much as we talk our favorite ways, it's fun to mix it up and throw in a, a totally different build. Dan, you showed me something super interesting that you're working on right now uh, on the FFPC in a 35 best ball. 
you know, some different that you, you wanted to try out. And that's the beauty of this is you can try different things. I, I was hoping you guys like Epic failed because I was hoping you guys would just take me off of Anchor RB so I could start mixing things up a little more. But <laughs> it's just, it's, I, it, I feel like it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 that's definitely the prettiest uh, way that I've found a draft as well. But I thought it was something important because I do feel that sometimes Fantasyland reacts maybe a bit too much, especially when it comes to injuries. And, and especially if you're, you know, it's, it's very similar in those earlier rounds, similar position. Uh, you start questioning how you're handling that position maybe when you're entering these drafts. You know, one thing that's great, I'm I'm old enough to remember where you would be in a few leagues, two, three, five leagues. I mean, those days for me are out the window. Now I play in so many more. But my first money league would come up and I would have no drafting experience for the season. Maybe I drafted for a magazine two or three months earlier, but that was it. I had no skin in the game. There were no best ball drafts. And the, the great thing about best ball is – and all the different things, all the different sites that offer it. Yahoo offers it, and I want you to check that out if you haven't before. But there's a bunch of different places to play best ball and to play different FFPC contests and NFFC contests and all this different stuff. Is there skin in the game? You can get in at any price point you want. You, you can play for big money if you want. You can play for a couple bucks if you want. It's up to you. And you get in your reps. It's it's you're, it's like you're a golfer. You're on the driving range, and you're like, okay, I, I want to fiddle around with this club. I want to try to hit a draw. I want to try to hit a fade. I want to try to hit a low shot, a high shot, whatever it is. If it doesn't work, okay, you rip it up. Okay, maybe I threw that I threw that five dollars away. Maybe I lit it on fire. I don't like that build. I'll try a different build. And maybe that build you didn't like. Maybe that team had Gus Edwards and James Robinson on it. And now you like that team again, but. You know, try different things, get the reps in. So when you get to your drafts at this time of the year, which for me, this isn't the case for everybody, but for me, my most important drafts are later in the summer. I've already been, I've already been on the driving range. I know the player pool well. I know the builds I prefer. I, I don't go into any draft locked into, I got to take a running back here. I got to take quarterback here. Uh, a lot of it will be you know in the heat of the moment decisions in the heat of the battle, but we can get in all this practice and all of these reps in that didn't, we didn't have an outlet for this. In the old days, you'd get together for a quote unquote mock draft and you have the people wouldn't show up or people wouldn't care. Or they, or they would take a kicker in the third round just to screw it up on purpose. You know, now, now it's like we, we get so many of these reps in and this practice in and it allows us to be so sharp now uh, when, the, when the drafts really matter or hopefully there's a sweet spot where you can draft where you're still ahead of the curve on stuff. You're still connecting dots before other people but it's late enough that, that maybe more people are in the room and there's more money to be won. I mean, you guys can decide what cadence is right for you, but we're in a golden age where we have opportunities to sharpen our skills in a way that we just didn't have in a previous era. Dan, Dan and Theo, I hope you're taking notes because you guys seem to bring me into these drafts with a bunch of sharks <laughs> where it's like your chances, even if you win your league, it's not like you're going anywhere in the tournament. You know what I mean? Because you're it, the chances of you building a monster in those leagues is is a little slim. But well, it was a poker joke, right? They say that like if you're the ninth best player poker player in the world, but the other eight play, players are in your game, you know, you're doing it wrong. And <laughs> game selection is a huge thing in poker, right? They say like you gotta get to, you, you and if you sit at a poker table i still play poker regularly and i'll look around the table i'll be like okay th this guy this guy jeff's really good i'm not making any money off him if we end up in a hand together i'm going to be very careful you know I, and, but this other guy is more of a recreational player he may be somebody i can exploit that's going to be your fantasy league right i mean if you it's fun to play against the highest level of competition and I, i'm not trying to dissuade anybody from doing that but uh, if if the bottom line is important to you, game selection, room selection is certainly something you have to be mindful of too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those, you know, those expert leagues that uh, we sometimes get ourselves embroiled in, uh, you know, to me, that's the, you know, that's the fun money. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm putting out whatever the entry fee is. And, you know, if I get anything back from it at all, I'm, I'm super happy, uh, you know, but it's just, it's fun to compete against that level. Uh, I think there's a lot of value too. And, and just, you know, seeing how other people draft, especially when you have a room full of sharps and, you know, you're still sitting there with that exact same player pool, you know, that, that everybody else has and to see how different people are approaching different positions and so forth. Uh, you know, for, for most people, the easy way to get that is free just to get on Twitter and like, look at the expert leagues, you know, that we do, but, um, it, it is fun if, if you've, you know, if you've got the, the time and the connections to, to get in there and do them every now and then. I know I know that's one of the things that energizes you, Scott, about uh, those kind of leagues is is just getting to draft against people that you really respect. So a lot of oh, fun Definitely. There. Absolutely. I mean, you want to, if you think you're good, you want to, um, there's something to be said for measuring yourself against other people, all knowing that there's so much luck in football and, right. you know, um, one of the things that's great about fantasy baseball is that if you're a good fantasy baseball player, the better players generally win in fantasy baseball, where in fantasy football, the, the least sophisticated person in your league can win if, if just a few things go right. But that doesn't mean that you don't want to give yourself the best chance. And there's something to be said for testing yourself and, and putting yourself up against the, the best competition you can. And, and there's your juices just get flowing when you're in a room where you know everybody's good or you're in a mm-hmm. room where it's an auction where the pace is really quick and you have to make really quick decisions and there's no time to look anything up. You have to know it already and, and have a sense of what you want to do. Sometimes you're even calling out numbers or making decisions. You really haven't made the conscious thought in your mind. It's, you're just kind of going on instinct, but there's something exhilarating about it too. So I, I don't want to dissuade anybody from doing that. I mean, I, this you have to have fun. You have to challenge yourself. And when you're up against the high competition level, it just provides a thrill that, you know, it's really hard to replicate. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, that's one of the most important things to keep in mind. First and foremost, you know, the, the game should be fun. Uh, you know, if you're just grinding out and it's not fun anymore, I don't know why you're playing. Uh, you know, maybe you're making a lot of money at it, but, uh, you know, it, to me, uh, the the fun is 50% of it. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy making money in fantasy football too, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do near, nearly as much of it. I, I think just to add to to Scott's poker talk, a parallel with fantasy and poker is once you start depending on the money or, or relying on it or kind of focusing on it, the fun just disappears real sure. quick. I, yeah. I, I tried to play poker full time for a very short period of time and man, was I miserable uh, as much as I loved playing poker. So, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, again, just the, 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 the life advice you're getting tonight, guys. Smash the like. Dan, before we move, I just want to backtrack real quick. We had Jerry Sinclair. Shout out to DWZ, Dynasty Warzone. If you want to lift a little bit, Dan, and show your your shirt there, you got some Viridian gear on with the DWZ. There you go. We got the goat hat, the goat gear. Guys, go check it out. ReadingGlobal.com. All your favorite fantasy football podcasts, gear, players, anything you want to wear, or whether it's a hat or a shirt or a hoodie, go check it out. ReadingGlobal.com forward slash collections, forward slash goat district to get your goat gear. Uh, I wanted to come back. And, and before we go to, to, to the next position, I want to just one last question, because obviously we want to address our questions in the um, in the chat room. And Dan, you threw one on real quick, but there was a question about Camara that I wanted to go back really quick about. I forgot who asked. It was Frank LaPrade. 
just asking, uh, is Jamera jump back to 102 in your opinion? Thanks, Dan. Scott, I think that's for you the question. Uh, I'm still going to take Cook. Um, I think the 103 is the inflection point in a lot of leagues, and I'm still not sure. I could take Henry tomorrow. I could take Zeke tomorrow. I took could take Kamara tomorrow. There's certainly a, a mindset that some people were worried if Taysom Hill got the job in New Orleans, that might be bad for Kamara. I still think Hill's going to get on the field plenty. And we know Sean Payton's favorite part of the New Orleans offense generally is Sean Payton. But uh, you could you could take Kamara at 102. You could take him at 103. I probably wouldn't. I have him a little bit lower on my board, but I can't say it with any conviction. I, other than McCaffrey being first overall, I probably am not even as dead set on Cook 102 as a lot of people are. I, I think it's a wide open year where there's open discussion, and you know, some people would say, "Hey, you get a, why not take a receiver there? Why not take Travis Kelsey proactively?" And I'm not going to say that's wrong either. McCaffrey at 101 would be the one thing where it's like, okay, I'm just going to argue with anybody who would try to talk me out of that. But at 102, 103, I think there's a lot of different things you could possibly consider. I, I wouldn't take Kamara there, but I don't. I'm not going to say it's wrong either. Ending that before we go back to Famous Jay has a great question about playoff schedule. Uh, Dan or Theo? No, I, I I definitely agree with Scott. I think there's several guys who are in the mix. Um, you know, it, if McCaffrey doesn't finish as the best running back in fantasy, uh, you know, there's probably eight or nine other running backs. I think, you know, yeah. it, I, it wouldn't surprise me one little bit if they were the number one in fantasy. So I, I do agree it's a pretty wide open year. Yeah, I'm I'm Cook um, at the two spot, and I've I've taken him there a number of times. I, I have a lot of confidence in him. Um, for me, three is kind of the the question mark. Um, FFPC wise, Kelsey for me, um, you know, it, it versus Kamara at three um, is, is a question. Um, but yeah, I do like I do like Cook at two. I think he's the only guy that could potentially, you know, challenge CMT if they if they stay healthy the entire season. Um, and I wonder if Cook is used a little bit more as a receiver than he was last year, um, you know, with Herb Smith out of the picture and the wide receiver three kind of up in, in, in flux. Um, so I, I do look Cook there at the two. Let's go back to famous Jay's question, Dan, before we uh, hit receiver, because uh, Scott's got another pretty way of uh, describing things when he's uh, looking at his receiver targets. Famous Jay just asking playoff schedule. And again, I will start with Scott because I'm sure the question uh, mainly directed there with regards to, um, you know, how, how much are you paying attention to it, I guess, when you're drafting? You know, generally speaking, I think strength of schedule is largely overrated because it's just hard for us to know who the defenses are to avoid, who the defenses are to attack. But but every once in a while – it's like on the extremes is what I care about. I care about the outliers. And there's one team that has a schedule so soft in the fantasy playoffs that I, it's almost like they said to this coach, you can pick your opponents, okay? And that's the San Francisco 49ers. Now, what makes it difficult is we don't know, is that going to be Trey Lance's 49ers? Is that going to be Garoppolo's 49ers? Is that going to be Trey Sermon's 49ers? Raheem Mostert's 49ers? Who the heck knows? Is Michael Hasty going to be the running back then? We, we don't know. Wilson going to be back. You know, who's going to be their primary wide receiver? Um, you know, is Kittle going to be hopefully healthy for a full season? But what a great player he is. But their schedule is ridiculous. So I've been – that's been a great tiebreaker. Strength of schedule to me is the tiebreaker. It's not a primary way I would ever draft somebody. But that's been a reason for me to break ties towards 49ers. And also I've been getting – I know this isn't a sexy topic of conversation, but 
I've been getting the 49ers defense here and there. Um, I, I'm not mm-hmm. somebody who elbows people out of the way for a defense. I think that's kind of like the, the biggest lemming move in the world. But when it's the right time, I think I think the 49ers look like an 11 or 12 win team. I like the coach. I like the personnel. And when I see teams like the, I think the, I want to say the Texans are on that schedule. And um, this is a bunch of, I just remember seeing three or four uh, teams. Adam Levitan of Established a Run has been banging this drum for a, a long time, too. He may have banged it into my head. He, he's a great analyst, by the way. But I think the 49ers have a great strength of schedule for the playoffs. But generally, this is not something I put a lot of attention to. It has to be a really, really extreme case. And who's to say? Maybe Garoppolo gets hurt and Trey Lance is a bust, and we don't even want the 49ers by then. I mean, it's it's all plausible, right? But I do like that 49ers schedule for the playoffs. Scott, you mentioned uh, narrow target tree when you're mm-hmm. talking receivers. Sure. Talk to us. Talk to our listeners. You know, why are you focusing on these guys? What does that mean to you and, and maybe some of your favorites? Yeah, it's one of my favorite concepts in fantasy. And I think I first – it might have been something I was aware of, but never really in a tangible way. And then I remember back when Mark Trestman was the Bears coach, I remember looking at the box scores and looking at just how short the box score was with the Bears because they just didn't give the ball that many guys. Like Forte was the only back where to carry, and they had like two good receivers and a tight end, and those are the only the only guys. 90%, 95% of the, of the distribution was going to these four guys. I said, I want players like that. I don't want the, the box score to be like the phone book where the, there's a fullback getting the ball and there's a second tight end involved and the third and fourth receivers who just get in the way. The guys who have those 500-yard, four-touchdown seasons that get in the way, you can't play them, but they take away from the production where we want it. So I look at – there's a couple of teams that have great examples of narrow usage trees or, or narrow target distribution, however you want to phrase it. Seattle, right? You get a Hall of Fame quarterback, I think, in Russell Wilson. You finally get rid of a coordinator who nobody liked, Brian Schottenheimer. Hopefully Waldron is an upgrade there. And you have two dynamic receivers who command the ball, command targets, and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They're both young enough to still be on the front nine of their careers, especially Metcalf, who uh, who know, he could easily be the no- number one receiver in fantasy. And I think Lockett's a, a very strong, bona fide player too, just a tier below. So, yeah, yeah, you know, Jared Everett's okay, and Chris Carson's a pretty good running back. I mean, maybe – Eskridge will turn into something, but I, mostly we know when Russell Wilson just threw a touchdown pass, it's probably going to one of those two guys. And Wilson doesn't run as proactively around the goal line as he used to. So I love getting involved in the Seattle passing game if I can. Minnesota, hopefully the COVID issues won't be something that trips them up. But, I mean, they just lost their tight end. We know how special Jefferson is. Hard to believe that Jalen Rager was drafted before Jefferson. I don't know how that ever happened. But um, we know Jefferson's special. Thielen's coming off a 14-touchdown season. I think he'll keep more of those touchdowns than most people seem to believe. I think 8-10 to 10 is, a, is a good bet for Thielen. Cook's a special player. I don't see a third receiver there who, who's going to emerge. I, I don't. Maybe Ty Conklin will, will become you know 80% or 90% of what Smith was going to be. But, again, if Kirk Cousins just threw a touchdown pass, we know it's probably to one of two guys. So I like teams that don't. And sometimes it's the, the coordinator gets cued. He wants he wants to show you, hey, look, look at me get a touchdown to my fullback. Or look at me bring in a package for my backup quarterback. Or you know, look at how I, I want to get everybody on my depth chart four or five touchdowns. I like teams for fantasy purposes. I mean, teams are entitled to do what they think is, is optimal and all that stuff. But when the teams have a narrow distribution of where the ball goes, where they have what I call a narrow usage tree, I think it makes things really easy for fantasy. And Seattle and Minnesota are great examples of that entering 2021. Nope. 
JD, are you on mute? Yeah, you're on mute. R- R- there you go. Apologize, um, Theo. I know I know you want to bring uh, our guests uh, and maybe pick his brain on some of his guys specifically. Um, you know, with, with regards to ADP guys he's drafting. But what any, any thoughts to add with regards to uh, you know? I, I just find again just a really nice way of verbalizing you know the way he's targeting his receivers. Um, I, I always say like a wide receiver one versus a wide receiver two type of thing on his own offense. But again, just a way smarter way and Scott's end. But anything to add with this uh, before we get into some of Scott's guys? No, I think it's I think it's a great way of looking at uh, at fantasy. Um, you know, it also it takes a lot of question marks away um, where you're able to identify kind of where the targets are going. I think another way to do this is also you can identify the easy wide receiver ones. Um, where maybe there's a little question mark between the wide receiver two and the wide receiver three. It makes those wide receiver ones a little more enticing as well. Um, you know, the the big three are pretty obvious. So, you know, the uh, the Dave and the, and the Tyree Kills and the Devontae Adams, you know what's staring across them is not going not gonna, to, you know, take anything away from them. Um, but I think that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a huge Tyler Lockett guy as well. I think he's still a great value. He's is uh, – his ADP has risen a little bit. Um, you know, you're starting to see him go in the fourth round a little bit, but he's still going, you know, 20 spots below DK in a lot of drafts. And I think there's a there's a chance they're going to have a very equal production just like last year. Scott, let's get into your guys. Uh, you know, Dan kind of threw this question in. He loves asking this question. Like, are, are, are there guys that you – above ADP that you like to grab, you know, when it, when it comes to building your own rosters that you must have, or, or, you know, you, you, your guys that you like to plant your flag on. By the way, don't, don't kid yourself. I certainly asked the same question to Dan about three or four weeks ago <laughs> and was, was very content that we agreed on, on almost the entire list as, as we often do. But um, of course you healthy disagreement is, is always good too, especially with somebody you like and respect because that's how you learn. But I, if we did this a few months ago, I would have been banging the table for Terry McLaurin, and I still really like him. I just feel like his ADP has risen maybe a half round. He's just become a, trendy enough to the point that I've had to back off him in a few auctions recently, or I've had to just admit that, okay, I'm at a draft slot that doesn't make sense to get him. I was in a draft tonight. I had a late third-round pick. I didn't think McLaurin would get to me. He didn't. But third year, for we used to want receivers in their third year. It's kind of a new thing that they can be really productive commonly in year one or year two, but McLaurin was a star or a very good player. Anyway, I'm not going to get tripped up on what term you want to use, but he was a very good player for two years with a Washington offense that had substandard quarterback play. And if, if they've upgraded that at all with Fitzpatrick, not to mention when I heard McLaurin was working with um, Doug Baldwin, one of my all time favorite players, just a great, an ankle breaker and technician McLaurin, this is more of a nebulous thing. And I think Dan might have, made a note of this in his email to me. I mean, he, McLaurin is a student of the game. He wants to be great. And not everybody goes in the NFL. I know you, ha- you these guys aren't eating potato chips on the couch, but there's different levels of commitment and how much they want to get great at their craft. And I just feel like McLaurin has that. That I, You know, like Tom Brady, as much as people are probably sick of Tom Brady and everything, this guy, everything he does from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to bed, it seems like he's devoted to him being a great football player. And I don't think everybody has that same level of commitment. I see McLaurin as a guy who wants to maximize his ability. Third year, upgrade a quarterback. Unfortunately, he's kind of pricey, but I'm glad I'm already overweight on McLaurin, and I'm going to I'm going to continue 
to try to draft him proactively. I like the Seattle guys. I don't think anybody needs a big push towards them. Uh, let me give you some players who I, I may like and the market may not like them. Nick Chubb, I think a lot of people come up with reasons not to draft Nick Chubb. Oh, they don't throw him the ball, and Kareem Hunt's really good. I think the difference between Chubb and Hunt is wider than is commonly held. They have a great offensive line, maybe the best in football. They have a very good defense. They're probably going to go to the playoffs again the way I see it. They finally got the coach right in Cleveland. They had the coach wrong forever. They had the quarterback wrong forever. I think Baker Mayfield might just be okay, but I think Stefanski might be a special coach. What if Hunt got hurt? Or what if the Browns said, you know what? Chubb's so important. Let's increase his usage a little bit. I think there's untapped upside to Chubb, and I think you're able to draft him where his floor is. He's somebody I I think he's definitely a first-round pick, and I'll even consider him in the middle of the first round. It can be nervous to draft a receiver when he changes teams, especially when he's asked – to move up in the pecking order. You know, sometimes it's not a big deal when a wide receiver one just, you know, Diggs went from Minnesota to Buffalo. He was fine. Hopkins didn't miss a beat in Arizona, even though I think Kingsbury is a horrible coach, but Hopkins was great. Corey Davis goes from Tennessee to the Jets, and now he's asked to be the number one, where he was clearly the two behind A.J. Brown. And I know he's one of Dan's favorites, and these men is one of my favorites too. But I think Corey Davis was mispriced for like most of the summer. I think he can be a thousand yard receiver for the Jets. I think Zach Wilson. When has a quarterback ever gone to New York with a number two overall pick and been as kind of screened as Zach Wilson is because Lawrence, because Lance, because Fields, all these, all the buzz with those guys, even Mac, you know, Mac Jones taking over in New England. I think Zach Wilson's been a little bit of an underreported story nationally, maybe probably not in New York or New Jersey, but I think Corey Davis is just, it took him a while to figure out the pro game. He came in with a lot of pedigree, didn't do much early in his career, had a really good season by the metrics and by the efficiency last year, I think he can be a legitimate number one for the Jets. And I'm getting him as my fourth or fifth receiver on a lot of rosters. I feel great about that. Jacoby Myers, if he duplicates what he did last year, is worth where he's going in ADP. And I think there's some upside now that Cam's out of there with his jelly arm. Uh, Jerry Judy is a little bit kind of like McLaurin. He was a really good value six weeks ago or a month ago, and now it's kind of gone haywire. But I do think Judy's skill set meshes better with Bridgewater than maybe some of the other guys do. And I want to wait a year before I go back to court and Sutton as much as I like his talent. I think Judy's going to be the best receiver there. Uh, the Rams tr- usage, I think their usage tree is probably similar to some of the other teams we talked about. So Woods and Cup at ADP makes sense for me. I'll give you one last guy, Mike Davis. I, I don't think there's anything special about him, but they don't have any talent after him. I think he's going to be on the field all the time. It's going to be a lot very similar to the Mike Davis we saw last year. I know he ended on a bad note, and I know Dan likes to point out, you know, don't spend a lot on somebody who was on waivers the previous year. A lot of times those guys get found out, they get exposed. So I see the case against Davis, but their running back room is so weak. I think they need him on the field anyway. That's one of those keep it simple, stupid, right, Dan? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, Davis is one of those guys that I, you know, I I don't have a lot of, but I struggle with the fact that I don't have a lot of them uh, because there, there are so many parts of me that want, want to grab some um, and, then on the other hand, I've been burned so many times on guys like that that I just have a hard time doing it. But I, I, I definitely need to up my Davis percentage just a little bit just to just to get, uh, you know, have a taste uh, just so I'm not missing out if uh, if he does explode. Scott's uh, pointing out your shortcomings with Davis and mine with Eckler. Uh, <laughs> Theo. Theo, I, I feel like Brady gets up every morning just because Scott was talking Brady, and I feel like he just looks in the mirror and he just like. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? 
I don't know if that's even loud enough, but if it's not, <laughs> I apologize. But just the whole gladiator, are you not entertained? I mean, what more can the guy do? Um, anything to add with, before we get into Scott's kind of avoids, because we want to go on the other end of the pool, uh, Theo, anything to add with uh, what Scott went into there with his guys? Um, I thought the Corey Davis call was was very interesting. And um, I thought that a really nice um, career um, comparison was actually made by uh, a Randall M- Memphis Young, also of the war zone. Uh, Jerry's listening, but um, he compared it to Robert Woods leaving Buffalo um, and, and going to the Rams and kind of, you know, reestablishing his career. I thought that was an interesting take. I mean, Corey Davis had a, I believe he was a top five pick and he was kind of looked at as a bust early on. But the kind of the market showed you, you know, what NFL teams thought of them. The Jets certainly put a lot of money into him. Um, you know, I think having Elijah Moore opposite him helps him. I think both guys are, are going to kind of support one another. So I liked I liked that call a lot. Um, I love the McLaurin call. Um, you're going to have to use, uh, you know, a high third round pick to get him. Occasionally he goes at, at the two three turn now. Um, but, you know, that ceiling with with Fitzpatrick is is really, really enticing. Um, so yeah, I, I like I like a lot of those calls. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So Scott, uh, any any rookies that you're really into with redraft that you think uh, you know have a good chance to pop off this year, uh, or that you're you're wanting to patiently hold until the second half of the year? I can't give you any names that are going to be. Illuminary. Um, I think a lot of people are in on the idea that Javante. And by the way, we've seen this in recent years, right? I mean, last year the rookie running back class got off to a slow start, but if you were patient with Jonathan Taylor, he was smashing at the end of the year. DeAndre Swift came around late in the year. Cam Akers got the show. Yeah, I think Cam Akers was on line for a great season. I feel very lucky that I wasn't bitten by that because I certainly liked Cam Akers. But um, mm-hmm. of course, Ceh was the was the one rookie that people kind of went all in on before the season when. Williams opted out and CEH was MEH for most of the year. But um, the guys, the rookies I'm looking at, I don't think I have a great rookie take that people can be like, oh, I didn't think of him. I think that Javante Williams is, is a very obvious guy um, who I want to get on my rosters. I've opened myself up to Najee Harris in the idea that I don't think the Pittsburgh line, at first I'm like, the line's horrible. I don't want any part of it. Roethlisberger is on not the back nine. He's on the 18th hole. I think the offense has a lot of downside. But now I'm thinking, you know what? They're just going to feed Harris as long as Harris can stay healthy. I think he might lead the NFL in touches. How He's early Scott? The field. How yes. early are you taking him? Are you you waiting till the second, or are you you willing to take him at end of the first? I'll let him come to me at the right marketplace, meaning I, he's not a first round pick for me. Yeah. But I would have no problem picking him at any point in the second round because so much of the running back position is is the usage. So I, I don't I don't have a great. You know, I feel like maybe. It's interesting because I, I really want to get a lot of Robbie Anderson, but I, I, I'm buying into the idea that that Terrace Marshall is going to be on the field the, for the opening snap of Carolina's season. And I've always maintained I'm not giving up on Sam Darnold. He had the worst possible setup with not just Gase, not just Mono, not just the, the overall stink of the Jets. But before Adam Gase was in New York, they had Jeremy Bates running the offense, who was so horrible. I don't think he's had a job in football since the Jets fired him. I mean, I'm sure Jeremy Bates is a great guy. You know, I mean, you, you want a shuffleboard partner, you know, somebody to play bridge with, Jeremy Bates is probably your man. <laughs> but, you, you know, coaching, you know, I'm, I'm channeling Billy Crystal here, but coaching an NFL offense was not his thing. 
know, they gave the worst possible things for Sam Darnold. And I think there's some nice sneaky pieces in this Carolina offense uh, with Marshall as a rookie. And then I also think that Dan Arnold who's not a rookie, but I think he could be one of those sneaky 670 yard, five or six touchdown. You know, t- maybe he's the player that we were waiting for uh, Herndon to become all those years, you know, just, just a nice useful tight end 13 or something like that. I'm not giving up on Sam Darnold. So, so Marshall's a guy I'm interested in. Um, he's also, again, I don't think I'm giving you anybody that is, is like, oh, I didn't, hadn't thought of him. You know, I don't have a great rookie answer that's going to give anybody pause that of somebody they haven't already given thought to. Make, makes sense. So uh, you're, you're more in on uh, Corey Davis than Elijah Moore, probably, it sounds like. I'm going to give you – I'd like to see Moore have a second season. I – I get it. I mean, I saw this special talent. He obviously did it in the SEC. Um, both of them, really, both the rookie boys are exciting players. But I'm the, the guy I've been drafting is Corey Davis to the point that I'm probably overweight enough on Corey Davis. That I'm starting to question myself and wonder what if I'm wrong on this? What if I'm taking the wrong guy? What if I believe too much in Zach Wilson? He's not. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be a 13 touchdown, 25 interception Zach Wilson. I, I'm hoping he's not going to be the type of player, but. Um, and maybe I'm just giving this team too much credit because they finally got Gase out of there, and I like the coaching staff that they've imported. I think I think a few people will be doing that. Yep. I'm trying to find Corey Davis on this thing. I'm trying to do some OTC action here, and I can't find Corey Davis. Uh, in oh, here he is. So in the seventh round, let's do some OTC. I know uh, Scott, you do like some some traffic light action, which I really like, by the way. With the you know, give me some. Are, is it a red light, green light, yellow light on a player? you've made pretty clear on guys that you like, but let's, let's maybe do some OTC. We do basically like you're on the clock. You got to pick between these, these two guys, who are you going to take? We'll go to you first. Obviously, I guess Marquez Callaway or Corey Davis. Oh, Davis. Uh, Davis is a tier above for me. Theo Callaway or sorry, Davis or Galladay. I'm I'm probably going to go Davis. I I don't want, too much to do with the Giants uh, passing game right now. And uh, I'm intrigued by both Davis and Moore. Davis or Gallup, Dan? Uh, Davis. I'm going to take the guy who's probably the clear wide receiver one over a guy who's a wide receiver three. All right. Maybe maybe we'll throw a last one in uh, before the end of this thing. (laughs) <laughs> per per mar 99 galladay injured for life there you go um, By the way, let me say this about galladay um if i'm asked for strong fades after saquon barkley is probably the first guy i mentioned because i think he's the most utility to give a, a first round player who you don't want to draft but galladay was not a separator in detroit he was a contested you have to trust you have to have rapport built up it looks like he's covered just throw him the ball anyway trust that he can make a play So he goes to New York where we don't like the quarterback, where we don't like the offensive line, where we don't like the coordinator and where he's hurt most of the summer. So I don't know how many reps he's run with Daniel Jones. Could this have gone any worse for Kenny Galladay with his new team? I I can't draft. And I know the prices come down and people are going to be like, well, hey, wait a minute. I'm getting him two rounds cheaper than I I could have a month ago. That's good, right? Kenny Galladay basically isn't on my board. I am not taking him. Uh, And the Giants in general – a Shepard's a nice price. I can live with that. I'm not taking Barkley where he goes. I'm not taking Evan Ingram, who I've pretty much given up on. And if these guys, they're talented. They're NFL players. Ingram was great as a rookie. If they prove me wrong, fine. But I would be very surprised if Galladay and Daniel Jones 
we're making beautiful music. We're, we're finishing each other's sentences and we're like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like three weeks into the season. I don't see it. I think it's going to be a mess. All right, guys, we could, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree. We could go probably another one thirty with Scott, just, uh, not only the goodness, but the, the, you know, the articulation of, of the thoughts and, and just the, uh, yeah, just just all of it. I mean, the advice, the the off field advice is uh, just uh, priceless. So, guys, I hope you had your pen and paper ready because tonight was a big one. Uh, tonight's guest was, uh, you know, another VIP, maybe on a on a, on a different tier. But we appreciate you, Scott, for hanging with us tonight for this long, for giving us your time, for giving us your thoughts. Before we part, uh, we got to give our boy Frank Laprade out there in the chats. We'll do one last OTC. So. As you close this out, remind the people where to find you. Obviously, they already know, but just you know, just a quick reminder while they have their pen in hand. And uh, anything else you want to share, and maybe give us the OTC between Fuller and Waddle out there in Miami. Yeah, I'm I'm curious what you guys will say because I don't have this is not an automatic for me, but and I think Waddle's going to be a special player. Um, I'm gonna if Fuller had already been with the Dolphins first season, I would have leaned on the veteran, but. Because they're both new to Tua, I'm still not sure if Tua is any good. I'm going to lean towards Waddle, but it's not with any conviction. Does, does anybody here on this panel have an obvious answer here? Because I don't. I, I would love to say to Frank, yeah, you know, you know, definitely this one side. And I don't. I feel like it's a it's a coin flip for me. But I'm going to go Waddle. I'm I'm going to go Waddle as well uh, for two reasons. One, fillers. Fuller we know is going to be you know, on the bench for the first week, and Waddle and Tua, you know, they did play together. And, you know, back in, in Alabama and then all summer long, I mean, Waddle's been about the healthiest wide receiver he's had to practice with. So I, I feel like the rapport should be there right from the start. So Waddle might get off to a stronger start than most rookies. Yeah, I'm, I'm Waddle. I, I really like Waddle. I think he's a good target at ADP right now. Um, and I, he does have the, the rapport with, um, with Tua and I think they're going to use him in interesting ways and try to get him the ball kind of around the line of scrimmage as well um, and let him get some yak. Um, and he, we know he can get behind the defense. So, yeah, I'm Waddle. I think, I think Waddle is, uh, is a guy I'm targeting as well. Yeah, and normally I'd throw the, the vet in there as like your early season and then, you know, the rookie for later in the season. But the suspension kind of uh, brings that a lot closer. So I, I think these guys are super close. It's just who you believe in. If you don't believe in Tua, I mean, maybe you avoid both, I guess is, is one, one other way to go. But you, you know, um, I, I know every, every player, pardon me for one second. Uh, I know every, every college player, you look at his highlights, they all look like unbelievable behemoths and supermen. But Waddle has a type of highlight. I saw a lot of this with C.D. Lamb too. You would watch CD Lamb highlights and you would say to yourself, This is a successful play. This is really a touchdown. This this play that looks defended, this play where three people could tackle him, he's really gonna outrun those guys. And Jalen Waddle's that type of guy that you see him catch a little drag route. You're thinking, oh, this is like a why are they showing this 11 yard catch? And then he houses it from 60 yards against the competition level of the SEC. And to to come out of a college where they just had the Heisman Trophy winner who plays your position. And it's kind of universally held that you're going to be the better pro. That's that makes you pretty freaking special. I, I cannot wait to watch Jalen Waddle play football, man. There you have it. He's at Scott underscore Pianowski. Guys, this has been a blast. Uh, you know, like we said, we can go on forever. Hopefully you guys got a lot of goodness out of this tonight. 
Um, Theo, before we, we close this thing out, very important, especially coming in this time of year. I'm the worst this time of year coming into week one, remembering when all the waiver wires start kicking in and all that. So remind the people where they can find your goodness. You'll be dropping here on the regular. We'll figure out exactly when in the week, but you're going to help everybody in fantasy land on the district with waiver wires. Yeah, we're going to have a, uh, a goat district waiver wire show. Um, it's going to be dropping on Mondays or, or Tuesdays. We're trying to figure out the, uh, the date, but it'll be a nice short uh, show maybe help you get your waivers sorted. Uh, we're going to have some guys for, for very deep leagues like the FPC and the NFFC. Uh, we're going to have uh, guys that, you know, might be in a 15-man league or, excuse me, a 15-bench uh, league. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a lot of names that are help you just like we're doing here on the GOAT District. We're going to be doing it with waivers as well. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, he's, he's at the OG fantasy He's at overhype sleeper, no E on the end. Like we said, at Scott underscore Pianowski over there at Fantasy Sports. Tons of goodness tonight. We thank them. We thank our supporters, obviously, the FFPC, myffpc.com. Go check them out for all the goodness in fantasy football, no matter what format or level you want to play. Veridian Global, all the gear we talked about tonight, whether it's the Go Gear, Dynasty Warzone, any other fantasy football relevant gear is at Veridian Global. You want to support the show, it's forward slash collections, forward slash goat district. And um, yeah, just guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe. Theo talked about the waiver wire tomorrow. Theo and I, Theo and I will be on with Justin Herzig. Another monster in fantasy land has taken down six digits. Can't remember if it was DFS or redraft, but doesn't matter. He's made way more than me playing this game uh, and probably most of you. So Tune in tomorrow, midday, a little noonish action, uh, to, to, you know, a little brunch. Maybe you're doing like a midweek brunch, if that exists, uh, it, to celebrate some fantasy football. Guys, week one is coming. We, we said it. It's just over a week. So if, if you haven't been paying attention, you haven't been in the district, make sure you go back and, and watch the shows. Uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything moving forward. But we want to get you guys ready. We want you guys to mash your leagues the way we do it in the district. So make sure you tune in. Appreciate all the goodness that the guests have brought tonight. Always, Theo, Dan, a pleasure with you guys. Uh, We'll see you guys tomorrow. That's all I got, man. Be safe. Be happy. And uh, we'll check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense (laughs) Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy Trade's not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish, 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 fish.
All right, Scott, go go take a bathroom break. We'll do part two. You ready? 